I'm a real supersonic, pass the ball like magic. Sean Kim or Larry Bird, the old school Mavericks. I got basketball cards, gonna sing a little more. I got basketball cards, now enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Godfather Nate Milton. And right now, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, show me your basketball cards. In the spirit of the great names of the past, like Dikembe Mutombo, and not Michael Jordan, but Baby Jordan, Harold Miner, Drazen, Arvidas, J.R. Ryder bringing that East Bay funk. I bring to you the man who met World Be Free and Danny Ferry, your host and my brother, Zaire, also known as Bandana Z. What's going on, everybody? We are back with another episode of My Basketball Cards. I am Bandana Z. That's right. Um, we are here. Thank you once again to Paris Alexa, who sings the theme song of the show. You can check out her album, Too Real, on all streaming platforms. And Brother Nate Milton, who does this great introduction to this show. Yo, today's episode is about a former New York Nick by the name of Kenny Skywalker. Kenny Walker uh, was a great collegiate player at the University of Kentucky. And we are going to talk about his 1989-90 season. Once again, reviewing cards from the 89-90 inaugural hoops set. Um, that's once again, I, I say every episode that I talk about this set is my favorite set of basketball cards. The first pack of basketball cards I ever bought was a part of that set. Kenny Skywalker, uh, at Kentucky, he averaged, uh, 15.8 points per game for his entire career. Uh, and he, I think was like the third leading scorer in the history of the school when he left. Not sure where he ranks now, uh, Junior year, breakout season for him. He averaged 22.9 points and 10.2 rebounds per game as a small forward slash power forward. Now, think about it. The year before, as a sophomore, he averaged 12.4 points and 5.9 rebounds. His minutes went up a bit, but his shot attempts went up as well, and he got the opportunity to um, really display his athleticism. He shot 55% from the field that year as well. Back during that time, the three-point shot wasn't prevalent in college. In fact, during the 84-85 season, um, which is the year he averaged 22.9 points per game, I don't even think um, the three-point shot was in college basketball. So it it may have been, but I know like one of those years in the early 80s and mid-80s, it was like just in a few conferences um, but the three-point shot really wasn't a big part of college basketball at the time. So he wasn't a three-point shooter. He was a guy that pretty much slashed and drove to the hole, shot mid-range shots or whatever. His senior year, he averaged 20 points per game. And so those two strong years as a scorer led to Kenny Walker being drafted number six in the 1986 draft. And we have talked about a few players who got drafted in that draft in this series. Uh, Kevin Duckworth and Brad Doherty became NBA All-Stars. They became NBA All-Stars. So we talked about them 
in previous episodes, Kenny Walker was drafted fifth in the 86 draft, and he was drafted by the Knicks ahead of players like Ron Harper, uh, Mark Price, Dennis Rodman, Arvita Sabonis, Jeff Hornacek, Drazen Petrovic, and even Steph Curry's daddy, Dale. Kenny Skywalker uh, was expected to, to be a part of a New York Knicks nucleus um, at the time that he got drafted. You had Patrick Ewing on the squad for the Knicks. Uh, you also had uh, true, I wanted, Bill Cartwright actually was like in his final uh, days of being a Nick. I think he may have had another season with them before they got rid of him. But on this team, once again, you had new, you had Patrick Ewing, you had Bernard King, who was trying to come back from an injury, but he was a big time scorer for the Knicks. Uh, you had Gerald Wilkins, who was a young player on that squad. And, um, those were like the guys um, that I think that people wanted to or people thought were going to be like the future of the team. Um, Patrick Ewing, Kenny Walker and Gerald Wilkins. Um, Gerald Wilkins actually caught on. Uh, uh, Bernard King had a hard time coming back from his injury. But Gerald Wilkins actually caught on and became a, a valuable scorer for the Knicks earlier on in his career. Uh, Kenny Walker. Uh, his first two seasons, he averaged 10 points per game. He started a lot during his first year. He played 68 games, I think, and he started 64 of those games as a rookie. Then the next season, he played 82 games, all 82 games, and he started 61 of those games. Rookie season averaged 10.4 points. Second season, 10.1 points per game. His shooting percentage went down from 49% to 47% as a rookie uh, to his second year. And then uh, third year, 88-89, he averaged 5.3 points per game, was relegated uh, to a role off the bench where his minutes dropped in half uh, from 26 minutes or almost half to 14 minutes per game. And that brings us to the – actually, let me let me rewind that. Um, 88-89 was the year he won the slam dunk contest. And that's the year that most of the nation, if you weren't a college basketball fan, and you probably didn't really know much about Kenny Walker. Um, so in 88-89, during All-Star Weekend, um, Kenny Walker won the slam dunk championship. In that competition, he defeated future Hall of Famer Clyde Drexler, um, former slam dunk champion Spud Webb. Then there's a list of guys whose names you may not know, like Shelton Jones, Tim Perry. Um, there's another player whose name, if you are a diehard basketball fan, you know, Jerome Kersey. And then there's Chris Morris, who gained fame for shattering backboards. He was like a six, seven small forward that could dunk hard and like when you think about players that shattered backboards you think about big men like Shaquille O'Neal but Chris Morris man when he dunked it's like he tried to tear the rim off and he actually succeeded in doing so so Chris Morris was in that competition and Cleveland Cavalier Ron Harper who was an excellent dunker 
and I think, you know, I definitely was rooting for him to win that dunk contest as a kid from Cleveland watching that. Um, this dunk contest, I remember watching as a kid when Kenny Walker won because I really didn't know who he was. I liked college basketball a lot, but I, I didn't watch Kentucky when I was that young. Um, you know, 86, I was watching Cleveland State. <laughs> and that was like the first year that I got familiar with college basketball. But um, in 89, yeah, the dunk contest was the, the thing to watch. Dominique Wilkins and Michael Jordan having their battles and other people that as well um, that really helped make the dunk contest great. But it was really every year you was really trying to check out Dominique Michael Jordan. Dominique Michael Jordan. Well, in 88, 89, there was not, neither one of those guys was in the contest. So you're going like, okay, who's going to step up? And Kenny Walker was just phenomenal that night. I don't know. I just remember watching him and it looked like his legs was moving in the air when he dunked. And it was just so unique the way his athleticism was. And he, he dunked with power. He had grace mixed within. I remember, I think he had a gold chain on, which was pretty cool. And he had that cool um, box high top type of thing going on, uh, which was the in the in hairstyle at the time. So he looked like a a rapper almost, but was six foot nine. <laughs> and so um, it was just a cool night or six foot eight. It was a cool night to, to watch him do his thing uh, that year during a dunk contest. And so, you know, when you watch the dunk contest, um, you know, once again, Dominique, Michael Jordan, those types usually were winning it. Spud Webb won it. And so you think, you know, that would help Kenny Walker's career take off. But it really didn't. Um, that year, he averaged 5.3 points per game. The next season, he averaged 7.9 points per game, still with the Knicks. And um, he played one more year with the Knicks in uh, at 90-91, where he averaged 4.3 points per game. Um, I think the thing that kind of killed Kenny Walker as well is that in the playoffs, he really didn't have um, good good showings. Uh, in the 87-88 playoffs, he played four games, and uh, he shot 33%. He started two of those four games. He shot 33%, averaged 4.5 points per game. Um, in 88-89, he played nine games, didn't start any of those games, shot 23%, averaging 2.2 points per game in 10 minutes per game. Um and yeah, just for his whole career with the Knicks, 26 playoff games, uh, a 41% shooting percentage, and he averaged 3.4 points per game throughout his career as a Nick. So it wasn't really um, anything to write home about for him in the playoffs. And, you know, people just thought he was an underachiever. Uh, the New York media called him names like Kenny Sleepwalker. Um, just, you know, the New York media can be very, very brutal to its players, especially if they feel like you're underperforming. And with him being a number five pick in the draft, you know, they expected bigger things than a career average with the Knicks of seven points or is it 7.7 .7 points per game in 351 games? So, um, actually, 
when the 91-92 season came about, he was actually out of the league. But let's rewind and go back to the 89-90 season because that's what the series is about. Uh, during that season, uh, his best game was a 24-point output against the Milwaukee Bucks. That was a one-point loss. Um, he also had two games, or actually he had a game where he scored 22 points in a 21-point win over Seattle. And perhaps his most important contribution of the season came in a 124-92 to win over the hated Boston Celtics. Um, if you're a Knicks fan, you want to beat the Celtics all the time. And in that game, he scored 19 points off the bench. And he played against the Celtics, which were led by the one and only Larry Bird, who scored 25 points in that game. During that season, Kenny Walker had six double-doubles. And um, in those six games, the Knicks went four and two. But that's about it for the highlights of that season for Kenny Walker. Like I said before, he went on to play in Spain and uh, in Italy during the 91, 92 and 92, 93 seasons. Um, During those seasons, actually, he played really well overseas. Um, Let me look real quick. I did see something with his numbers in Spain because he he tried to get a contract negotiation um, uh, and and, and maybe stay with the Knicks, but the Knicks were ready to move on. Um, In Spain, during the 91-92 season, uh, Walker actually averaged 20 points and 14 rebounds for a team in Spain, I want to—I don't know how to pronounce this. I think it's called Cacoris or Casoris or something like that. Um, but yeah, it was a team in Spain where he, you know, was a really good player for them. But Kenny said that during his time in Spain, it was like playing Division One basketball, and he wanted the opportunity to play against the best again. He said um, during the time period when he was signing with the Washington Bullets in 1993 he said that New York is a tough place to play he said it's actually the toughest place to play and he said being a young guy got him down when they wrote bad things about him but he also said that they wrote bad things about Patrick Ewing and Mark Jackson who were the two Nick all-stars during his uh, time with the Knicks Um, he said that you know, with them going through losing seasons and having coaching changes, you know, the players really got um, a lot of negative press on the court. So, you know, when he got out of New York, you know, he was ready to continue his career. He said that um, he could have gotten more guaranteed money to play overseas, but he wanted to come back to the NBA. And his return to the NBA uh, was just two more seasons in 93-94 and 94-95, he played those last two years with the Washington Bullets at the ages of 29 and 30. And it's crazy that, you know, you would be like, man, you know, your NBA career is over at 30 years old. That that seems so young. But back then, you know, as I say in, in other episodes, if, you know, 32 for a lot of players was it, you know. So, you know, he made it to at least 30. Um... During those years with the Bullets, he averaged a combined 4.2 points per game for those two years. And once again, just a role player off of the Bullets bench. Uh, 19.1 points per game the first season, 4.8 points 
uh, was his scoring average, and then the last year, 11.1 points, or rebound, let me say that again, 11.1 minutes per game, and um, scoring average of 2.4 points. Kenny Walker will really be known as a great athlete, a great dunker. Um, You know, it's hard to say what he could have done in a situation where he got maybe 30 minutes a game. I mean, maybe he would have panned out and and have been a a good contributor on the team. Um, Maybe in a better situation or a different kind of culture, he would have flourished more uh, with consistent coaching, uh, you know, maybe under like a Pat Riley or um, Lenny Wilkins. I don't know. He would have gotten, you know, better as a player and gotten more opportunity. But the Knicks wanted somebody and needed somebody that could just contribute right away and uh, make a big impact. And at the same time, you're on a team with Patrick Ewing where the ball is going to him. And so any shots you get, you're lucky to get. Better make them. (laughs) So I don't know. Uh, I will say that. You know, when you talk about some of the best dunkers of all time and best slam dunk contest performances of all time, um, I think Kenny Walker has to be mentioned. Um, He put on a show that night. Um, The next year, I don't know if I talked about the 89-90 dunk contest. If I did, forgive me if I talked about that already. But that year, he lost trying to defend his title because Dominique Wilkins came back, and Dominique Wilkins, in my eyes, is the best dunker ever. And Dominique Wilkins came to play that night, and he dominated um, that season. The field was Kenny Smith, along with Kenny Walker, a very young Sean Kemp, Scottie Pippen, Rex Chapman, who definitely showed up that night, uh, Billy Thompson, and Kenny Battle. Those were your competitors in 89-90. Um, yeah, some people want to call Kenny Walker an underachiever. Mm, I don't know. I, I, I find it hard to do that when you talk about pro athletes because many people who use that word have never played on such a high level. So they don't understand the work that it takes to get there. Um, this guy ended up being out of the league for two seasons and a lot of times when you leave the league to play overseas, back in those days, you were done. Uh, people forgot about you, didn't know you exist anymore. They moved on. Um, Ask Dennis Hobson, who um, was an NBA first round draft pick and went overseas and people never saw him play over here again um, on the NBA level. So. Uh, for Kenny Walker to spend two seasons overseas, he didn't just sit around on his couch he, you know, worked hard, did his best to get back into the league, but he got back into the league and once again was relegated to a role off of the bench because, um, you know, those who make the decisions for the Washington Bullets during that time, Coach Wes Unsell, uh, felt that there were other players who were better than him, and so he didn't get the minutes. Um, when I look at this roster, uh, there was a young Tom Gugliotta, who was a lottery, uh, lottery pick for the Bullets, um, who definitely uh, was getting the minutes. He averaged 17 points per game that year, 
with Kenny Walker returned to the NBA. Um, so that's he had 35 minutes per game. You also had um, Don McLean, another forward who was getting minutes, 33.2 minutes. He averaged a team best 18.2 points per game. He was his uh, leading scorer of the team that year. Uh, so those are two players ahead of Kenny Walker who got minutes. Um, they were trying to go with a young nucleus. You had uh, Calvert Chaney, who was a rookie that year, uh, who also played 24 minutes a game, a little over 24 minutes a game. So they were going young, and Kenny Walker wasn't an old man, but he was 29. And those other players that I mentioned were 24. 22, uh, Gugliotta was 24, Calpacini was 22, Don McLean was 24. The Bullets did not win a lot that year. They stunk uh, <laughs> as a unit of 24 and 58. Those Bullets teams were talented. They had talent. Um, you know, it's just they had a lot of injury issues. Rex Chapman, 60 games that year, missed 22 games. He averaged 18 points per game that season as well. Um, Calvert Chaney, the rookie, 65 games he played. Um, Kevin Duckworth was another player they brought in. He played 69 games, and he wasn't the same player that he was in Portland, as we talked about in previous episodes. So, yeah, so they had some talent, but a lot of guys were injured, and that was an issue. But I think that Bullets franchise, after Bob Ferry, Danny Ferry's dad, um, Left as general manager, that franchise just went into a deep dive of losing. And it wasn't ran the same way. And I believe Wes Unsailed uh, made a lot of calls. There was a guy named John Nash who was, I think, the GM. But I think Wes Unsailed had a lot to do with uh, the decision-making there. He was a very, very powerful man in the Bullets franchise, which he should have been. He led them to a championship. He had a lot of respect around the league. But, you know, he just didn't, wasn't able to pull the nose up um, on the Bullets franchise while he was there. Um, he did have a, a winning season his first year. When he took over, um, he coached 55 games and the team went 30 and 25. But after that, he never had a winning season um, as a coach, never returned. He went to the playoffs that year, but never went back to the playoffs after 87, 88. Team just got, seemed to get worse and worse every year. So, you know, once again, Kenny Walker, maybe if he had went to a franchise uh, that was in a good place, um, things would have been better. The Knicks got better after, you know, he was gone. Uh, but, you know, it's just, you know, the situation sometimes. But overall, you know, Kenny Walker was a fun athlete to watch uh, when he got in the open court, when he was able to put the ball in the basket via the dunk uh, on this 89-90 hoops card. You can see Kenny Walker just slamming it in. It looks like a picture from the dunk contest, actually. And so it's a fun shot. Looks like he's rocking a pair of Converse on this um, on this shot. And that's an interesting thing, too, because during that time period, you know, Jordan's was taking over the basketball world. And uh, Dominique Wilkins was rocking the Reeboks. And the next year he would make the Reebok pump 
famous using it during the dunk contest, and it would continue to get famous with players like D. Brown and uh, Sean Kemp. I'm not sure if Sean Kemp wore the pump. He actually had like the kamikazes, but he might have had the pump as well. But uh, Kenny Rock- Walker rocking this, the Converse, which was like the traditional basketball shoe um, in the early 80s with Larry Bird and Magic Johnson and Bernard King and everybody else seemed to be signed to Converse until the uh, Jordan era really took hold. With all that being said, um, just a pleasure to bring you another episode of My Basketball Cards and talk about a player like Kenny Walker, who may be forgotten by some people. But if you were a fan of the NBA during the late 90s, or not late 90s, late 80s, he's definitely somebody who, you know, at least for one night, you remember winning that slam dunk contest and holding that trophy um, and, you know, bringing smiles to people's faces, at least for one night um, as an NBA fan. So, yo, we're going to come back. Um, Once again, we're going through the 89-90s or 89-90 Hoops series, the first year of the Hoops basketball collection. Thank you for tuning in to my basketball cards.